can't beat all the powerless when my cup's already Let's get started here. BK here, everyone. Thanks for checking out the podcast. It is Saturday, June 12th, 2021, 1045 a.m. Uh, please follow me on social media and check out my Twitter at Bravo Kilo Actual and check out that Instagram at BK Actual. Uh, quick announcement, you guys. There will be no podcast next week. And uh, if you saw my Instagram post this morning, you can probably figure out why I'm going to talk about that a little bit at the end of the podcast after the big finish but for now guys we got some work to do let's go ahead and get into it and start with our international news and let's let's go to peru and i talked about this a little bit last week you know they had this election and it's uh it's still undecided it's uh neck and neck the two presidential candidates are locked in a near tie one of them's claiming fraud <laughs> Of course, you know, this is, you think this is just an American thing? The accusations of fraud? This literally happens in every single election all over the world. Uh, but uh, Peru has been through uh, quite the year. It's had three presidents. Uh, it suffered one of the world's highest coronavirus, coronavirus death rates. And the economy's been in the crapper, uh, definitely. So, uh, yeah, it's it's really a lot of tension down there, pushing it to the limit. And uh, it's pretty crazy right now. So 99% of the votes are counted. And Pedro Castillo, who is a leftist former teacher with no past governing experience, leads Keiko Fujimori, the daughter of former right-wing president Alberto Fujimori, by about 70,000 votes, and the Fujimori uh, clan is uh, kind of the country's establishment. So right now, they say Mr. Castillo has won about 50.2% of the votes counted, and Fujimori 49.8%. But Fujimori has asked officials to toss out thousands of votes, claiming that her opponent's party has violated the voting system, quote, in a systematic way, end quote. Now, observers and electoral authorities are saying there is no evidence yet of systemic fraud. And they don't think that Fujimori's effort will uh, turn the results in her favor. Uh, so, yes, the polling stations, uh, some of them in question, are basically saying that vote tallies at uh, some of the polling stations had illegal activity going on, including changing vote counts to Castillo's uh, column. Again, no evidence of this. So what else about this? A very divisive uh, vote, much like we had in the United States in 2020. Now, 
as far as Fujimori, you know, she's facing corruption charges related to a previous run for president. Uh, she was accused of running a criminal organization that trafficked in illegal campaign donations, and she could be sentenced to 30 years in prison. However, if she wins this election, she will be shielded from prosecution during her five-year term. So you can imagine. Uh, Peru is considered a deep, deeply unequal and divided nation. Uh, again, the pandemic hit through it hard, especially those uh, poor people in these elections are kind of playing along those same racial and class lines. So that's pretty much the update. We'll uh, wait and see what happens with it. Now, let's stay in South America, and let's talk about the president of Argentina. This was funny. And this is President Alberto Fernandez. And he has caused a big kerfuffle down there. Uh, so uh, let me let me back up here a little bit because what happened was the there was a what happened was there was a recent visit to Argentina by the Prime Minister of Spain and Alberto Fernandez el presidente was kind of trying to connect with the president of Spain by paying homage to Argentina's European immigrant heritage. Instead, with a statement that was widely seen as xenophobic and offensive, Mr. Fernandez managed to cause offense and across Latin America because he said, quote, Mexicans emerged from indigenous people, Brazilians emerged from the jungle, but we Argentines arrived on boats, on boats from Europe, end quote. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Now, the video of the statement, which Fernandez said was a quote from the Mexican Nobel laureate Octavio Paz, went viral on social media. And many people were offended by this, uh, saying, hey, you forgot the millions of people who were abducted from Africa over the course of three centuries, precisely by these Europeans that uh, Fernandez is so proud to be descended of. Uh, even Edward Eduardo Bolsonaro who is the son, of course, of President Jair Bolsonaro of Brazil, called the statement racist and mocked the state of the Argentine economy, which has been in a recession for years. He wrote on Twitter, quote, Argentina is a sinking ship, end quote. Oh, and the president, Jair Bolsonaro, if you guys don't know by now, Jair Bolsonaro is like the Trump of the South America. But Jair Bolsonaro also tweeted the word in all caps, quote, jungle, exclamation point, end quote, and the Brazilian flag, along with a photo of himself and a group of indigenous people. Now, Argentines have long had a reputation in Latin America for regarding themselves as distinct from others in the region because a large percentage of their population that does trace its ancestry to European settlers, mainly from Spain and Italy. And the na its neighbor, Brazil, is a majority black and indigenous country. Uh, so uh, it's, it's hard to say if, they're, if it's false, but now you, know, the, now you have all the young, woke academics in Argentina is, uh, questioning this, saying it is both racist and erases the presence of Argentines of indigenous and black roots. Uh, yeah, and some uh, Mexican guys uh, chimed in on this as well. And 
as far as that quote where he attributed it to this guy, Senor Paz, it's a little bit different because the actual quote from Paz is, quote, Mexicans descended from the Aztecs, Peruvians from the Incas, and Argentines from boats, end quote. So he kind of like mixed up the quotes a little bit and made it sound like, you know, maybe like the more primitive, you know, you people are, you people are so primitive. Anyway, he apologized on Twitter, uh, but uh, he's uh, also adding that, hey, in the first half of the 20th century, we received more than 5 million immigrants that lived among our native people. And of course, a pay on to diversity saying our diversity is a source of pride. So there you go. People continue to make ethnic gaffes on Twitter, which I do enjoy so much. Okay, let's move on. Uh, update on that story from China. Remember I talked to you a few weeks ago about the ultra marathon where 21 friggin' people died? Yeah, well, we have an update now because China has arrested some people. Officials yesterday, Friday, said that 31 people would be held responsible and that the leader of the country in which the ultramarathon was held had died in a fall from a high-rise building. Hmm. Officials said that the country's Communist Party chief named Li Zuobi was primarily responsible for the race's high death toll. And officials confirmed yesterday that Mr. Li had fallen to his death, but the circumstances were not immediately clear. I wonder who pushed him out of that building, uh, allegedly. Uh, five employees of the company that organized the May 22nd ultramarathon will face criminal charges. 26 local party officials have been disciplined, in, uh, including uh, loss of jobs, detention, and criminal investigations. Uh, and in Chinese politics, this is kind of a theme where when da- disasters occur, they usually throw the book at whoever the local leader is. Uh, so this was in Jingtai County on the northern outskirts of Bayin, a desert copper mining town that has been fallen on hard times in recent years because they kind of ran out of uh, copper. Well, here's something. Bayin has a national reputation for chronic unemployment and high rates of crime, including the grisly murders of women and girls by a serial killer who eluded the police for 28 years. Hmm. Whole separate story on that. I'm not going to get into it, though, because I don't have enough time. Uh, so, yeah, we'll uh, see who, uh, how that guy fell, big air quotes, out of that building. Let's go to Canada and talk about this truck attack that killed a Muslim family. And uh, they are saying it was on purpose, and that the driver of this pickup truck in London, Ontario, who ran down five pedestrians, killing four of them, chose his victims because they were Muslim. Uh, The killing uh, happened just a little while ago. The police told reporters that a man in black, a black pickup, drove up on a curb and basically mowed down this family that was just, standing on the sidewalk. Uh, And this was the Afzal family. Salman Afzal, his wife Madiha, their 15-year-old daughter, and his 74-year-old mother. The 9-year-old son, Fayez, remains in the hospital. Sounds like he's going to be okay. 
The suspected attacker was publicly identified as Nathaniel Veltman, 20 years old. And he has been charged with four counts of first degree or premeditated murder and one count of attempted murder. So they aren't talking too much about anything about Veltman other than motive. They did say he was not a known member of any hate group and that he did not know the victims. And uh, you guys know this echoes a similar attack in Toronto in 2018, the infamous incel attack where a man used a rental van to mow down pedestrians on the sidewalk there, and that one killed 10 people. So now the uh, Canadians are all uh, fucking uh, flogging themselves over Islamophobia up there. And uh, we will also watch that and see if we can check out this dude Veltman a little bit more. Guys, you'll notice I'm going to kind of go through this stuff pretty quick again because I want to leave some time at the end. So we're not going to get in-depth to some stuff this week as much as we usually do. Let's talk about the Tigray region in Ethiopia. You guys have been listening. You know they've had that war up there. And now they're saying that there's a big famine going on. And that famine has afflicted at least 350,000 people in northern Ethiopia's Tigray region. And they are saying that this is a, a famine that is bigger at the moment than anywhere else in the world. And this is coming out of uh, the UN. And this kind of started last November when Ethiopian Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed and neighboring Eritrea ordered their military forces into the region to crush Mr. Abiy's political rivals and strengthen his control. Remember, Abiy is the Nobel Peace Prize winner. He thought that the operation would last just a few weeks. Shockingly, it turned into a quagmire that has tarnished his Nobel laureate image, and Ethiopian and Eritrean troops have been accused of ethnic cleansing, massacres, and other atrocities in the region that amount to war crimes. So, continues to spiral down there as well. Let's go to Germany, where the German authorities have disbanded an elite state police unit and suspended 18 of the active members of that unit after they were found to have been involved in a chat group that exchanged racist messages and glorified the Nazis. Now, this unit is roughly similar to an American SWAT team, and this is just the latest move by German authorities to clamp down on a rise in far-right networks in state security units in the military. You guys have been listening. You've heard a couple of these stories in the past few months. And police officers in several of these states have been fired or reprimanded for their participation in these groups where content like swastikas, Hitler images, and anti-foreigner postings are shared over social media. Uh, the recently discovered chat group included three supervising officers of the elite squad, even though they appear to have been inactive. So they decided, you know what, we're just going to disband this entire unit. They don't have free speech over there, remember. So, uh, and uh, these uh, some of these symbols, especially the swastika, is deeply offensive to the Germans. I don't know if they, I thought 
I don't know if it's still illegal, but there's some kind of uh, illegality there. I know it's been challenged a few times in the courts over there, but uh, I'm not I'm not exactly sure on that. And this follows some of the other moves. You guys remember when the defense ministry was forced last year to disband a full fighting company of the country's most elite special forces unit known by their German initials KSK because of their right-wing infiltration. And that happened six weeks after authorities dug up that illegal weapons cache in the backyard of one of the company's soldiers. Uh, So yeah, they actually found this by coincidence, this chat room because the mobile devices of a member of the unit were analyzed for child pornography in an unconnected case. So of this group, 18 were active duty members of this unit. One was in a different police unit, and one was already uh, retired. The investigation was first made public on Wednesday when authorities raided six dwellings and suspended all 18 police officers from duty. Huh. Fascinating. Yes, they are not too happy with this. One social democratic state lawmaker uh, described this case as offering, quote, staggering evidence of a profound problem in Hesse's police force, end quote. And he sounds exactly like that, guys. As you know, all impressions are spot on. Let's go to India where 18 people died in an India chemical plant fire. This was in the western Indian city of Pune. Some 37 workers were trapped inside the building when this fire started. This is on Monday. The cause of the fire has not yet been determined, but the factory belonged to a company called SV Aqua Technologies, a company that makes chlorine dioxide products, which are typically used in water treatment. Uh, So... That's really all we know about it. Very, very short story from the BBC. And what else around the world? Let's keep going. Let's go to uh, Afghanistan. Obviously, have been covering the withdrawal very heavily of the troops. And now the Pentagon is seeking, uh, considering seeking authorization to carry out airstrikes to support Afghan security forces if Kabul or another major city is in danger of falling to the Taliban. This would be a lot of flexibility in President Biden's plan to end the U.S. military presence in that conflict. Biden had previously suggested that once U.S. troops left Afghanistan, air support would end as well with the exception of strikes aimed at terrorist groups that could harm American interests. But now military officials are actively discussing how they might respond if the rapid withdrawal produces consequences with substantial national uh, security implications. Uh, No decisions have yet been made. Again, we're still going to have a diplomatic presence there, so you're going to have some kind of QRF, quick reaction force, or offensive mindset. You can't just leave those guys there to be mortared into the oblivion. So they do think that one option under consideration is to recommend that U.S. warplanes or armed drones intervene in an extraordinary crisis, such as the potential fall of Kabul, which I mentioned last week is quite possible, even probable, I'm going to say that. 
Now, this would be hard to maintain over a lengthy period because this takes a lot of logistical efforts. You know, you got you have to have maintainers, you got to have pilots, you have to have all that the weapons guys, you got to have all that shit. So, a potential fall of Kabul is the crisis that would most likely lead to military intervention after the troops leave. And that is one of no, there's garage band puking on me. Sorry about that. That is one question that is plaguing the Biden administration about what to do after they get out. Like one other question that is unresolved is how U.S. troops are going to carry out counterterrorism missions to prevent al-Qaeda and other militants from rebuilding their presence in Afghanistan and also how to allow Western contractors to continue to support the Afghan military. And right now, the CIA is under intense pressure to find new ways to gather intelligence and to carry out counterterrorism strikes in the country. And then you have the problem of the Afghan military. Created, trained, supplied in the image of the American military, and they are expected to start defending their country on its own. And you, you guys have been listening to the podcast. You know they have taken huge losses and oftentimes the Taliban is just walking into these bases of the Afghan military and uh, overrunning them, sometimes without firing a shot. Just walking, so they send a village elder in there saying, hey, go ahead and surrender and walk out of here and you'll live, or we're going to come in there and kill all of you. And uh, often the choice is to live. So I don't see that uh, changing anytime soon. Again, this is, there's, no, you can't, there's nothing you can do about this. It just isn't. And meanwhile, in Afghanistan, there was an attack there as well. At least 10 people were killed and 16 others wounded in an armed attack on staff members of a British-American charity in Afghanistan that has been clearing landmines in the country for decades. The Islamic State claimed responsibility for that attack. And this was at a detaining camp in the northeastern province of Baglan and did target employees of this charity. Imagine targeting employees of a fucking foreign charity that's trying to just pick up all the mines. Unbelievable. They did say that the victims were all Afghan citizens. This uh, charity is a British charity called the Halo Trust. And they said in a statement that an unknown armed group entered this demining camp. I think I said detaining camp earlier, so I misread that. It's a demining camp. And they said this armed group walked in there and opened fire on about 110 men from local communities who had been working in the nearby minefields trying to pick up all this fucking shit. Uh, so, yes, they are saying that the attackers did not single anyone out. They just started going in there and... Uh, spraying everything. A spokesman for the Taliban denied any involvement. Uh, he said on Twitter, quote, We condemn attacks on the defenseless and view it as brutality. End quote. Uh, he sounds exactly like that, too, as do all terrorist spokesmen. Anything else about this? The HALO program in Afghanistan, which started months before the Soviet army pulled out of the country in 1989, employs more than 2,600 local staff members and remains the group's largest operation in the world. 
They say on their website that over the past 30 years, it has worked with the Afghan government to make nearly 80% of the country's recorded minefields and battlefields safe. Still, they got a lot more of it to do. Well, you know what? Why don't you pick up your own friggin' minds? How about that? All right. Do I have anything else about this? Uh, let's uh, confirm a older story that I gave you guys a few podcasts ago. Let's talk about the leader of Boko Haram. And now they are saying, indeed, he really did kill himself. And this is Abukar Shikau. This is Boko Haram's violent leader. You guys have seen him probably on all his propaganda videos. And as reported earlier, he had been reported dead many times before, but now they say he really probably is dead because there's an audio message that has been retrieved by that was recorded by the head of a rival extremist group. And in this message, the leader of Islamic State West Africa province, known as Iswap, appeared to confirm that Shakao killed himself rather than be taken prisoner in May. The voice in the recording says, quote, Shekau preferred to be humiliated in the hereafter than on Earth. He killed himself instantly by detonating an explosive. End quote. Of course, Shekau is best known for the kidnapping of hundreds of schoolgirls from that boarding school in 2014. You guys remember the hashtag, bring back our girls, Michelle Obama was involved in that, etc., etc., but his fighters had kidnapped, killed, raped, and robbed many thousands more than just those schoolgirls and sent a huge number of Nigerians to their deaths as suicide bomber. And millions of people have been displaced in that region as a result of this violence. So this could be the beginning of a new era in which Iswap takes new territory after getting rid of their chief rival, Boko Haram, at least the leader anyway, and amps up confrontations with the Nigerian state and its military. Now, Iswap used to be part of Boko Haram, but they splintered off of it reportedly in part because of Shikau's violence against Muslim civilians. And Iswap has lately posed the greater threat to the Nigerian military. They are stretched pretty thin is the military because they are deployed to fight various crises in almost every single one of Nigeria's states. Iswap has pledged allegiance to ISIS. Um, they have been decimated, of course, has ISIS in the Middle East, but they are becoming quite active in Africa. Uh, anything else in here? Do, 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 do. I'm just scrolling down here. Shikau came to lead Boko Haram. After the founder of Boko Haram, Mohammed Yusuf, was killed in police custody in 2009. I think I've talked about this uh, documentary before, but if you guys want to see a gnarly documentary on Boko Haram, I believe it's called The Rise of Boko Haram, and there's like graphic like executions and shit in it. And you can tell it's the right one because there's this huge disclaimer on the beginning part saying, hey, warning, this depicts like gnarly executions. I'm paraphrasing that, obviously. But uh, it, it's and it goes into the whole history about Yusuf and Muhammad Yusuf and how he was this radical preacher and finally the cops took him in and then he turned up dead mysteriously and that's when fucking everybody went crazy and started fighting back. He was like the, their their big martyr. So as as far as Shikau, 
from an early age, he drifted towards all this aggression. He used to argue with his teacher who taught him the Quran <laughs> and haranguing people he preached to in the streets. But then he started, yeah, he started massacring civilians, attacking churches. Um, the kidnapping of those schoolgirls drew the world's attention to Boko Haram. Many of those abducted girls, by the way, were married off to Boko Haram fighters, and many of them are still missing today. So then, just to recall, in late May, reports had trickled out that heavily armed ISWAP members had arrived at Shikau's hideout in the Sambisa forest, and when he realized there was no way to escape, he detonated a suicide vest that he had been wearing. He had been falsely reported as dead before by eight counts, uh, by eight times. So that's that you, you can see why people are like kind of slow to uh, em embrace whether this is actually happening or not. Okay, what else do I have for you? Let's keep going here. Well, why don't we go ahead and do our quick uh, coronavirus update and talk about the state of that and our latest map and case count here. It continues to decline. All good news. We have a total reported case number of 33,415,841 in the United States. That is a minus 33% in the 14-day change. And total reported deaths, 599,510. That is a minus 19% in the 14-day change. Uh, let me just go through this quickly and see what the latest updates are well for one thing in china they have this delta variant that is going on and spreading throughout southeastern china and doctors are saying that they are finding that the symptoms are different and more dangerous than those they saw when the initial version of the virus started spreading in late 2019 in the central city of wuhan patients are becoming sicker and their conditions are worsening much more quickly Four-fifths of the symptomatic cases developed fevers, they said. The virus concentrations that are detected in their bodies climb to levels higher than previous seen and then decline only slowly. Up to 12% of patients become severely or critically ill within three to four days of the onset of symptoms. The World Health Organization has labeled the Delta variant a, quote, variant of concern, end quote. Uh, yes, very good. I'll have, more, I'll have a little bit more on the uh, Wuhan lab later. Russia is scrambling to contain a new surge, as most of the Russian people appear to be avoiding the Sputnik vaccine. They have ordered workers in Moscow to take next week off, and they are pleading with their population to make use of their vaccine, which they say is widely available. The biggest spike appeared to be in Moscow, which reported 6,701 new cases on Saturday today, more than double the rise five days ago and the highest single-day total since December. Uh, and they're doing the usual thing. Bars and restaurants will be required to stop serving customers 11 p.m. Food courts and shopping malls will be closed. Playgrounds, athletic grounds will be closed, etc., etc. Now... President Vladimir Putin said on Saturday that 18 million people had been vaccinated in the country, which is less than 13% of the population, even though Russia's Sputnik 5 shots have been widely available 
four months. Uh, so they say that the two-dose Sputnik vaccine is 91.6% effective against the coronavirus, and that was according to peer-reviewed research that was published in The Lancet in January. In The Lancet is that prestigious medical journal, and it was peer-reviewed. However, polls show that nearly two-thirds of Russians say they do not plan to get the vaccine, and they're attributing this to a few factors, widespread distrust of the authorities on one hand, and uh, frequent state television reports that describe the coronavirus as mostly over or not very dangerous. The official death toll stands at 126,073 people, but the unusually high number of deaths in the past year suggests that that real toll is several times higher. Uh, Venezuela is facing a coronavirus outbreak, and this is the right before the start of the Copa America. That is a big South American soccer championship. That was moved to Brazil, that soccer championship, less than two weeks ago because the scheduled host, who was Argentina, said it could not hold that thing safely during the pandemic. And so, yeah, they are uh, worried about that, and they are every yelling at Bolsonaro because he said he wanted to go ahead with this uh, soccer tournament, <clears throat> and it was uh, the decision to bring the event to the nation sparked outrage. Uh, the competition, which will be played without spectators, is being darkly described by some opponents as the, quote, championship of death, end quote. The opposition to the tournament includes the stars of the Brazilian soccer team. So the teams held multiple meetings at one point considered boycotting the, tr the tournament, but they decide to uh, they decide to go through with it. Uh, let's see what else quickly. Canada rejects 300,000 doses of the J and J vaccine made in the U.S. because they had those contamination issues. Do you guys remember that? And. Um, this announcement came after the Food and Drug Administration told J&J &J that 60 million doses of vaccine produced at that Baltimore factory cannot be used because of contamination. But they will allow about 10 million other doses of the J&J &J vaccine to be distributed in the U.S. or other countries. And remember, that comes after they discovered that major production mishap that resulted in the contamination of a batch of of J&J &J vaccines. So Emergent, the name of that facility, later discarded the equivalent of 15 million doses. God. All right. Anything else? I'm so sick of the coronavirus, you guys, honestly. It's over here, as far as I'm concerned. And as far as many people are concerned. Uh, also, in Saudi Arabia, the Saudi authorities are limiting the annual Hajj to 60 thousand pilgrims and that is only for those from within Saudi Arabia because of the coronavirus pandemic the event was nearly abandoned in its entirety last year they did let about a thousand people take part in the ritual with social distancing and masks required last year remember the Hajj is something that all Muslims who are physically and financially able to do so are supposed to complete at least once and that's scheduled to begin in mid-July. You will have to be vaccinated. You will have to be between 18 and 65 years old. 
and you will have to come from within Saudi Arabia. And uh, anything else? Do, 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 do. More, what does this say? More people have died of COVID-19 this year than all of 2020. Hmm. The global death toll before the halfway point of the year of 2021 is more than 1,882,000. That beats out the 1,874,531 deaths recorded for all of 2020. Now, again, in the U.S., it's pretty much over. But growing caseloads in Asia, Latin America are pushing the global toll higher. And less than 1% of the 2 billion doses of COVID vaccines produced so far have gone into those regions. In some countries, not a single person has been vaccinated, and that includes Haiti, Tanzania. Meanwhile, the U.S. has vaccinated more than half its population with at least one dose. India has only 3% of its population fully vaccinated. They're averaging about 100,000 new daily infections and more than 3,000 deaths. Only 11% of Brazilians are vaccinated. Argentina and Colombia have about 7% of their populations vaccinated. Also, the U.S. will buy $500 million of the Pfizer vaccine and donate them to poor and middle-income countries next year. The U.S. government will pay $3.5 billion for the shots, about 7 bucks each. That's much less, by the way, than the $20 it paid for domestic use. Okay, none of that makes any sense. So we're going to pay less for the ones that we're giving away. And why don't those countries pay for their own goddamn vaccines? I don't have a problem with donating some, but $500 million? I don't know. Aren't these countries responsible for their citizens ever? Is it always up to Uncle Sugar to swoop in and take care of it for them? Uh, it just really annoys me. I don't have a, again. I don't have a problem with charity. I don't have a problem with the U.S. helping out. But I'm saying help out. You know, you, we shouldn't be the we shouldn't be the sole uh, provider here. The number of children receiving routine vaccinations in the U.S. for diseases like measles plunged during the first months of the pandemic last year, probably because a lot of parents were not taking their child to the doctor. EU leaders, the European Union, are calling for a full investigation of the origins of COVID-19. Yes, including the lab leak theory. And China has approved the Sinovac COVID-19 for children aged 3 and up, and it makes makes that vaccine the first one cleared for use in minors that young. Uh, African nations are unlikely to meet the World Health Organization's goal for them to vaccinate 10% of their people by September. Vaccine supplies are dwindling in Africa, and they are hitting a new wave of cases. So there is your coronavirus update. Let us go on. Let's go to El Salvador and talk about this Bitcoin thing that is going on with El Salvador. El Salvador's Legislative Assembly has approved legislation making the cryptocurrency Bitcoin legal tender in the country. That makes them the first country to do so. And this comes just days after President Naib Bukele made the proposal at a Bitcoin conference. So the digital currency will be able to be used in any transaction. And 
any business will have to accept payment in Bitcoin, except those who don't have the technology to do so. Now, the U.S. dollar is El Salvador's main currency. Nobody will be forced to pay in Bitcoin. But basically, everything will be able to be paid in either U.S. dollars or Bitcoin, and they won't be able to refuse payment. The exchange rate between the two currencies will be established by the market. The dollar will continue to be the currency of uh, reference. The economy ministry of El Salvador noted that 70% of Salvadorans do not have access to traditional financial services and that the country, quote, needs to authorize the circulation of a digital currency whose value exclusively follows free market criteria, end quote. Again, my big problem with Bitcoin, you guys, and I have a Bitcoin, full disclosure, I have some, these wild fluctuations in it, it's not stable. The last thing you fucking want is a currency in a currency is something that rockets up and down by 25% on a daily basis. That's not stable. So big problems with it. Uh, well, we'll see what happens. You know, hey, we'll see what happens. We'll see if it's viable. Uh, let's talk about uh, French President Emmanuel Macron. He was smacked in the face. I put it out on Instagram at BK Actually. You guys probably saw the video. <clears throat> it was pretty funny. Uh, Mr. Macron is seen approaching a small crowd in a town named Tain la Hermitage, a town in the Drome region of France. And he was kind of coming out of the uh, car and like kind of going over to the cordon, you know, where they had people roped off, like, and he was going to shake hands. Well, he started talking with a long-haired man. The man gripped his forearm and slapped the president on the face. The man also shouted, quote, down with Macron, end quote. A term sometimes used derogatively to refer to his administration. And then you see the security guys just jump all over him. They did arrest two people. And, uh... He shouted a slogan sometimes associated with far-right activists. It's weird. They, and, and, they, and, of course, the New York Times, they're too delicate to print that scary slogan. So I don't know what it is. <laughs> oh, boy. Macron does like shaking hands and mingling with crowds. So, especially... Uh, uh, in the midst of, as the pandemic is uh, kind of winding down. And, by the way, the 2022 presidential election, the campaign is starting to wind up. Uh, but sometimes he has created a, you know, these viral moments that make him look out of touch and dismissive. Uh, for, for example, he once scolded a French student for calling him by a nickname. And he infamously lectured an out-of-work gardener that finding a job was so easy that, quote, if I crossed the street, I'd find you one, end quote. And, uh, yeah, more recently, he expressed frustration over criticism of his handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, it's, it's pretty weird. You know, the other thing about, remember that Macron, he's like, his wife is like 20 fucking years plus older than him. Like he's in his 40s and she's in like his, uh, her 60s. That's eh, kind of weird. I'm just saying, you're president, bro. Can't find a young hottie. I'm just, just saying. Uh, quickly, 
There was a war crimes trial nearly three decades after the outbreak of the war in the Balkans, and that had some of the most shocking atrocities in Europe since World War II. Well, the conviction of the chief military commander of some of these atrocities was upheld by an international tribunal. This was the commander who is the Bosnian Serb former general Ratko Mladic. He was convicted in 2017 of genocide, crimes against humanity, and war crimes. He was sentenced to life in prison. And this week, that verdict was upheld by the International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia in The Hague. This goes back to 1995 when Mladic was first indicted. He's 79 years old now. He has always maintained that he was just fulfilling his military duties. Uh, So, yeah. He was convicted on a range of charges, including attacking and murdering civilians during the 43-month siege on the Bosnian capital of Sarajevo. He was also found guilty of genocide for directing the notorious mass executions of 8,000 Muslim men and boys after Milajic's forces overran the the United Nations-protected enclave of Srebrenica. But they also wanted to add another genocide to include the bloodletting of 1992. That was the deadliest year of the war where some 45,000 people were killed. Over the course of the war in Bosnia, which ran from 92 to 95, roughly 100,000 people were killed and 2.2 million displaced. By some estimates, more than 50,000 women were raped. Jesus Okay, some global crime news. This is a great story. These global criminals thought that they were buying secure phones, but it turned out the seller of these phones was actually the FBI. Global law enforcement officials revealed a three-year operation in which they said they had intercepted over 20 million messages. Hundreds of arrests were made in more than a dozen countries. These organized criminal figures around the globe were relying on these uh, devices to send encrypted messages and photos. And users trusted the device's security so much that they often laid out their plans, not in code, but in plain language. This entire network was actually a sophisticated sting run by the FBI in coordination with the Australian police. They intercepted more than 20 million messages in 45 languages and arrested more than 800 people. This operation was codenamed Trojan Shield. And they had struggled in recent years to penetrate these high-tech covert comms of criminals. So what they did, they made their own encrypted network. Yeah, this is fascinating. Um... This had its origins in early 2019 after the Bureau dismantled a Canadian-based encryption service called Phantom Secure. That company supplied encrypted cell phones to drug gangs like Mexico's Sinaloa cartel and others. So, seeing a void in the market now, the FBI recruited a former Phantom Secure distributor who had been developing a new encrypted communication systems called Anom. The informant agreed to work for the FBI and let the Bureau control his new network for the possibility of a reduced prison sentence. And these Anom devices were cell phones that had been stripped of all normal functions. They had one app on there. 
and it was disguised as the calculator function. After you would enter a code using this calculator, air quotes here, users could then send messages and photos with end-to-end -end encryption. So over three years, more than 12,000 Anom devices were sold to over 300 criminal syndicates operating in more than 100 countries. So the device's cost uh, varied by location, but they would sell them on six-month subscriptions available for $1,700 in the U.S. And the FBI had the master key. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, you can't trust anything, dude. The, the only You can never talk on a phone. They're going to find you. Word of advice. Okay. What else do I have here? Um, just go through here. Uh, well, you know, I, again, I'm going to skip around a little bit, you guys, just because it's, uh, just a lot going on, but uh, let me just, let me just play a few things. For one thing, Trump held a rally. I haven't heard from him for a while. So I've got a few clips from that and I thought I'd just play a few. Here is Trump talking about the border and I got a lot more on the border later, but here's a uh, Trump. Cannot have a nation, certainly We fight for other countries' borders, but we don't fight for our own border. Think of it. We fight for other countries' borders, but not for our own. That changed under my administration, but now they're going back more rapidly than anyone ever thought possible. Nobody ever thought that they could do this kind of destruction to our country so quickly. Some of those executive orders that are signed are absolutely insane. <laughs> oh, man, I do miss him so. The big dumb oaf that it is. Uh, here he is saying he's demanding reparations from the Communist Party of China over the, the time Wuhan has come virus. For America and the world to demand reparations and accountability from the Communist Party of China. China. We should all declare within one unified voice that China must pay. They must pay. They must pay. All right, there you go. They must pay. I mean, it's self-evident, isn't it? And then uh, here's one more here. Where uh, Remember when Biden kind of fell on the stairs? <laughs> I haven't listened to this clip. Remember when he was walking up the stairs, Air Force One, he fell and tripped and fell like three times? So uh, here's uh, Trump apparently talking and, about it. Uh, do you ever notice when uh, he had a hard time going up the stairs on the plane? Nobody talks about that. Nobody talks. The news didn't cover Not one network covered it. Now, when I made the best speech I've ever made, they said it was at West Point. And it was pouring. And I had a ramp that was an ice skating rink. And I called. I said to the general, I said, General, I may have to grab you because the last thing I'm doing is going down. So I walked gingerly down. That was on every newscast in the world, and I never went down. Either. I never went on my ass, I'll tell you. I wasn't going to fall. I think that was a booby trap. I think I'll never forget that ramp. That was like a sheet of ice. It was cold, rainy, and that ramp was long and steep. I said, General, I might have to grab you, but I'm not going down under... And unfortunately, I wasn't wearing American shoes. I had Italian shoes, nice leather leather it's like an ice skating rink okay that's great you know dude you guys honestly if he does run again for president and wins can you imagine the fucking howling i'm i won't get off the internet for a week i will just laugh and laugh and laugh it'll be so funny
All right. What else? Okay. Let's go to a few whale stories. And yes, many of you sent me this story. So if, if, if this many people send me a story, I do have to cover it. And this is the Cape Cod lobster diver that was trapped in the mouth of a whale. Yeah, this is a Cape Cod commercial lobster diver. And uh, yeah, he said he was lobster diving and a humpback whale tried to eat him. He said on Facebook that he was in his closed mouth for about 30 to 40 seconds before the whale rose to the surface and spit me out. He's uh, 56 years old. And his name is Michael Packard. And, uh, yeah, it's fucking crazy. He's lucky. I mean, imagine if the whale, like, you know, just put you in a, put him in his mouth and, like, just dragged you down, like, 500 feet just to, like, play with you. That would suck. Anyway, he did encounter a leg injury. Uh, he didn't have any broken bones, but he said he was very bruised up. And he really thought he was going to die. He was visibly shaken in an interview. Uh, a whale expert did say the incident is extremely rare. It was a humpback whale. They are not typically aggressive. And they're not aware of a single incident of something like this happened. So pretty uh, pretty crazy, but yeah, dude's lucky. And meanwhile, a second whale story. A teenager in Australia is in critical condition after a whale leaped from the water and landed on the fucking fishing boat he was in. And 18-year-old Nick Myhill uh, received severe head and neck injuries when this breaching whale fell onto his boat. That's wild. Yeah, this happened off the coast of Naruma, around 200 mi miles south of uh, Sydney. Some witness said that they had no warning and no time to react, and uh, they were really lucky. I mean, but my hill is in bad shape. He's in a coma with severe head and neck injuries. What kind of whale was this here, they'd say? They say a breaching whale. Okay. Come on, CNN. What type of whale? Come on. Who, what, when, where, how, why? Um, They are really not saying anything. The whale may have been injured in the incident, and they're trying to uh, figure out how it was. Oh, here. The whale species was not identified in the police or family statements. But they do say about a bunch of 40,000 humpback whales, again, do frequent Australian waters at this time of year as they migrate towards warmer waters for winter. And humpback whales are very acrobatic, and they are known for their breaching, which is why they are one of the best species for whale watching. Fully grown humpback whales can measure about 55 feet long and can weigh about 79,000 pounds in the case of males. So... Yeah, you can see if one of those landed on you, you'd be fucked. Okay, let's have a little fun, you guys, and talk about my man, heavily covered on podcast. <clears throat> this is this is too great. That's right, Jeffrey Tubin is back on the air at CNN, and it didn't matter that he fucking jerked off in front of his coworkers. Which fucking kills me because if you had masturbated in front of your coworkers, uh, you would probably be fired instantly and be persona non grata for the rest of the time with this company. But at CNN, you are welcome back. 
onto the air after pleasuring yourself in front of coworkers. You guys remember the story? I covered it on the podcast, and he at the time he was doing a Zoom call, and he was doing some kind of like election. Uh, what do you call it? Like a simulation for the 2020 election. And they were like doing a, a, a dry run before the election actually happened. So he was on the zoom call with other uh, colleagues. And so somebody obviously got this dude all fucking worked up that he was on the zoom call with and he decided to start jacking it, but he forgot to turn off the zoom camera infamously. And then he was fired from the New Yorker where he wrote, but CNN, apparently, you can pleasure yourself in front of your coworkers, and you're welcome back. So here is a clip of Jeffrey Tubin, and he actually, this is the thing, he goes back on CNN and he talks about it. <laughs> I guess he, there's no way, dude. I would be mortified. But no, this is just so just dead. And this dude has plenty of money. He's in his, like, what, 60s? He's got plenty of money. So, But you're so hungry for the fucking camera and, and try, how many million fucking lawyers are there? Why is this guy so special? Like, he's so good that you just have to have Jeffrey Tubin back? Really? Get out of here. Anyway, let's hear from this fucking dope. Let's bring in CNN chief legal analyst Jeffrey Tubin to talk <laughs> about this and more. He's still the Hi, chief legal analyst. Hello, Allison. It's been a while. It has been a while, indeed. I feel like we <laughs> should address um, what's happened in the months since we've seen you, since some of our viewers oh may not God. know what has happened. So uh, I guess I'll recap. I'll do the honors. <laughs> this is Allison Camerata. Okay. Um, in October, you were on a Zoom call with your colleagues oh from the New Yorker magazine. Everyone took a break for several minutes, during which time you were caught masturbating on Oh my camera. God, they made her do uh, this? You were subsequently fired from that job after 27 oh. years of working there. And you, since then, have been on leave from CNN. Do I have all that right? Um, you got it all right. Sad to say. Okay, so let's start there. Wow. Um, to quote Jay Leno, what the hell were you thinking? Well, obviously, uh, I wasn't thinking very well or very much. And um, it was something that was inexplicable to me. I think one point, I, I wouldn't exactly say in my defense, because nothing is really in my defense. No. I didn't think I was on the call. I didn't think other people could see me. You so, thought that you had turned off your camera? Correct. I thought that I had turned off the Zoom call. Now, that's not a defense. This was deeply moronic and indefensible. But, I mean, that, that, is, part of, that, that is part of the story. Um, and, you know, I have spent the seven subsequent months, miserable months in my life, I can certainly confess um, trying to be a better person I mean in therapy trying to do some public service um, working in a food bank which I certainly <laughs> will continue to do working, working in a, a food bank oh good Oklahoma city bombing but I am trying to Ugh. become the kind of person that people can trust again oh my god I cannot believe I cannot believe they made Allison Camerata actually fucking do that there's no way if you're you're a chick, you're gonna do that. They they couldn't even get a dude, one of their fucking soy boy anchors to do that. How about Chris Cuomo? Make him do it. You're gonna make a female anchor do that. Wow. And how about Jeffrey Tubin giggling away? <laughs> yeah. Obviously, I wasn't thinking when I fucking pulled it out and started slaying my own self. Oh my god, dude. 
Oh, it's cool, though, because I work in a food bank now. <laughs> oh, man. It's too much, you guys. And again, I'll ask, what is so special about this fucking hack? They just have to get him on. How about, I don't know. How about get, why don't you bring on a legal commentator who has not pulled his penis out in front of his coworkers and jacked off? I'm just saying. That would be my suggestion to you, CNN. But don't listen to me. By all means, continue along the path you're on, CNN, because as we all know, your fucking ratings have collapsed into a dumpster fire over the past six months, but you're doing good. Keep it up. All the stuff you're doing, definitely keep doing that. Ridiculous. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's uh, move on here. I don't know. I don't know if I can get past that, honestly. Okay, but I'm gonna try. Uh, okay, let us go to uh, this story. This is pretty good. How about a nun who stole over eight hundred thousand dollars to support her gambling habit? This is out here in California, and this was Sister Mary Margaret Cruper. She's 79 years old. She has agreed to plead guilty to stealing more than $835,000 from a Catholic elementary school to support her gambling habit and to pay for other personal expenses. This happened while she was the principal of St. James Catholic School in Torrance, California. So, she retired as the school's principal in 2018 after 28 years. So, according to the plea agreement, she diverted school funds into the school's convent account and its federal credit savings account and then used the money for expenses that the order would not have approved, including large gambling expenses at casinos in Nevada. Yeah, she became a nun at the age of 18. They say what, she, what kind of gambling she was doing? No, they really don't. I mean, I don't, was she playing the ponies? She fucking uh, at the card table, the dice. Well, I don't, they don't. They don't say. You gotta do better than that, you guys. Uh, a couple shootings here. Three dead in a shooting at a Publix supermarket in Florida, and this is a gunman who shot and killed a toddler and his grandmother, and then killed himself. This is eleven forty in the morning. The suspect was fifty-five-year-old Timothy Wall. Uh, they have not released the names of the victim. But the child, who was a boy, was not even two years old. What kind of fucking sick fuck shoots a baby in the head? I mean, you have to be... that That's like the, you, that's like the ultimate psychopath right there. That is nuts. And they say they don't know that uh, there's any ties between the shooter and uh, the people he killed. It's pretty insane. Uh, meanwhile, what else about the mass shootings? I just had this fucking one in front of me. Where did it go? Uh, oh, here it is. You guys remember that Virginia Beach gunman who went on the shooting rampage in 2019 where he killed 12 people? And that was at that municipal complex. And that's when Dwayne Craddock did shoot and kill 12 people. He was fatally wounded by the cops. Well, the FBI finally released the findings of a behavioral analysis that provided new insight on the motive for the attack. I don't even know why I'm covering it. We all knew the motive. He hated his coworkers. Fucking duh. <laughs> Thanks, FBI. Boy, they're real fucking crack operators over there at the FBI, huh? Only took them a fucking two years to figure that out. <laughs> 
Dwayne Craddock had become alienated from his co-workers on how they viewed him and his own perception of his job performance. These findings were released on Wednesday. Uh, Craddock, by the way, was 40 years old, and he was a former Army soldier. The city of Virginia Beach had faced criticism from the victim's families over reluctance to say what prompted him to open fire on May 31st, 2019 in building number two of the Virginia Beach Municipal Center. Again, fucking Captain Obvious over here. Uh, a quick update. You guys remember that truck driver who killed five cyclists in Vegas? That was the guy who plowed into the group of cyclists on the Nevada highway last December, and that was Jordan Barson, 45 years old, under the influence of meth, by the way. Well, he's already been sentenced, convicted and sentenced. He was sentenced this week to 40 years in prison. He will be eligible for p- parole after 16 years in prison. That's, that's fucking stupid. He should have to serve at least half. It's absurd. That was a US-95 near Searchlight, Nevada. It's about 60 miles south of Las Vegas. The morning of December 10th, the cyclists had been taking part in an annual 130-mile ride And five people died on that highway. They ranged in age from 39 to 57 years old. Just fucking tough deal. And again, I would say I just, that's why I could never get into road biking. I just don't trust it. I mean, you're on this little fucking bike. You got that little tiny helmet. And you got these like huge trucks barreling like fucking uh, three feet away from you going like 75 miles an hour. And half of them are probably on meth. So do what I would do it? No, I would not. Okay, let's see here. Move on here. Let's do a a few military stories, and let's first talk about the horrible sinking of the amphibious assault vehicle off the coast of California last July that claimed the lives of one sailor and eight Marines. Well, there's been some discipline handed out, including a two-star general. The service announced this week that Major General Robert F. Castelvi, who commanded the 1st Marine Division at Camp Pendleton, California at the time of the accident and then became the Corps' Inspector General, by the way, would be permanently removed from his position as Inspector General. He was formally counseled by the Commandant of the Marine Corps, who is General David Berger. And uh, this action will kind of prevent him from being further promoted in rank or ever holding a command. And the Amphib vehicles that sank were assigned to the 15th Marine Expeditionary Unit, which fell under General Castelvi's command at the time. So amid the investigation, he was removed from his brand new position of Inspector General. An investigation whose results were released in March cited a confluence of human and mechanical failures that led to the sinking of the 20-ton armored vehicle. And that was when, you guys remember, they were going through the water from San Clemente Island, and one of them began taking on water. Although the vehicle's commander singled for, signaled for help, an investigation found that no safety boats were in the water, uh, the, a second amphibious vehicle reached the sinking vessel about 20 minutes later, but the two vessels collided, turning the sinking vessel broadside into an oncoming swell. Then a large wave swept into an open hatch, caused the flooding vehicle to sink rapidly with 11 troops on board. 
The investigation later determined that the vehicle that sank was improperly maintained and those aboard were not adequately trained. So, also in addition to the general, the command... The commander of the 15th Marine Expeditionary Unit at the time, Colonel Christopher Bronzy, he was relieved of command. And additionally, the commanders of the battalion and the company responsible for the sunken vehicle were also relieved of their duties. They're not naming some of the other ones, but the, the general's the, the, the fucking big one. Okay. And let's uh, keep going here. About and speaking, if I can find it, I want to go into uh, more military stuff. As you guys can tell, I'm stalling as I scroll scroll through my uh, many tabs here. Oh, here it is. Here it is. I want to do this. Okay, you guys. This was all over social media, and let us talk about this woke commander. Yeah, this was all over the place. Lieutenant Colonel Andrew Rhodes, who is commander of the 1-8 Infantry, the Fighting Eagles, and he had a message for all serving in the military. Yeah, that's right. He said, hey, he basically said, "If you," he said, quote, if you're a white male, you are part of the problem, end quote. And this is one of these fucking woke vets, you guys. How many times have you heard me rant about the woke vets? And it turns out even better and even juicier. This fucking dope maintained a secret Twitter account. And he was one of these left-wing fucking woke Twitter vets that I'm always battling with. His old Twitter account was Drew Rhodes, D-R-U-R-H-O-D-E-S. And it was at D-R-U-R-H-O. And I'm reading it, and it's been since deleted, the Twitter account, but they got a screenshot at this at this article. He, I'm going to read his bio of his Twitter account. You ready for this? Quote, Combined Arms Battalion Commander, Infantryman Who Loves Tanks, Fervent Anti-Racist and Anti-Sexist, Views My Own, He Him! <laughs> Trying My Best. Oh, where are these people coming from? How, why? I can't. It drives me. I want to pull my hair out. You're a fucking infantry guy and you got he, him? The military is fucking changed, man. That's insane. Anyway, this story began circulating on social media and then they found out his fucking secret. Uh, it wasn't even that secret. I mean, he put that he was a battalion commander in his Twitter bio. Uh, so yeah, he was basically uh, lecturing the troops that, yeah, all of you are, if you're white, you're racist and you're part of the problem. But keep in mind, you guys, that like, I don't know, something like 80 to 90% of the combat jobs and the guys who are actually kicking indoors and shooting people in the head are, by the way, those toxic, evil white males. Yeah. An uncomfortable statistic that the Pentagon doesn't like talking about. They hate it so much. The Pentagon fucking hates all of these damn valorous white men. Who are so fucking motivated, they want to go out and become PJs, SEALs, Green Berets, Army Rangers. Obviously, there are many heroic, door-kicking people of color as well. But I'm just saying, statistically, yes, the vast majority of them are white men. You can, you can argue that, why that is all day long. Basically, there's, there's a bunch of theories from that. Uh, but anyway, that his uh, fucking post, this this uh, some kid put up a post of saying, "Hey, 
This began on social media with some guy saying, hey, my battalion commander just told me as a white man I'm part of the problem. Well, that post caught the eye of the current sergeant major of the Army, Michael Grinston, who is active on social media. And he said he was going to look more into this. And now he's under investigation. And, of course, all the fucking woke vet losers on Twitter are defending the guy. Saying, well, yeah, well, if you are white male, you are part of the problem. And, and as I put on Twitter, I'm like, hey, by the way, in case you didn't know, let me fucking help you out. Ascribing any sort of behavior or responsibility to somebody on the basis of only skin color is racist. <laughs> I don't care if it's white men, black men, Hispanic men, Hispanic women, black women, white women. Making sweeping generalizations about a certain group because of their skin color, is racist. That's the bottom line. I don't care if it's white or not. Fucking unbelievable. I even have to say it out loud. It's 2021. He uh, did delete his Twitter account, did Rhodes. Oh, yeah, they, they got, a, they got a, uh, some good screenshots at humanevents.com of some of his uh, tweets before he deleted it. Um. He has here's a thread. Here's something he wrote. He said, quote, teaching the army values is not enough to increase diversity and inclusion and equal opportunity in the army. We're ignoring the problem. This is why vet bros, goons, and some leaders say we're all the same. We all bleed green. We're not all the same, and we need to talk about it, mister. <laughs> Where are these people coming from? He also added that he no longer believes in formal UCMJ procedures, which is kind of a fucking big deal coming from a military officer. This fucking dope was stationed at Fort Carson, by the way. And tangential to this, uh, Senator Tom Cotton was talking about critical race theory with the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. And he decided to ask him a little bit about critical race theory. Let's hear how this goes. The military has included the works of critical race theories on its reading list by authors like Abraham Henry Rogers, who now calls himself Abraham Kendi, and Robin D'Angelo. Mr. Kendi has written, quote, the only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. The only remedy to present discrimination is future discrimination, end quote. Do you agree with that proposition? Uh, I've not read that, and I, I don't. You know, I certainly don't agree with what you just said, but I, you know, Mr. Secretary, it's always important to have the con full context of anything that's uh, that you're being asked to evaluate. Mr. Secretary, do you believe that race and sex should be the key factor when selecting combat leaders, rather than say operational excellence, technical proficiency, leadership, agility, and integrity? I, I do not, uh, Senator. I, I think what you just said should be key components in making any, any selection. Okay, well, fair enough, Lloyd Austin. We'll see. But, you know, it's easy to say that. Don't watch what he says. Watch what he does. Watch all this uh, other nonsense they put in. So, yeah. this is And this is becoming a thing. This is really tearing the military apart, you guys. I mean, long gone, apparently, are the days where fucking it, we're all one color in the military. Uh, and apparently that's very passe. I can, speaking from my personal experience... I never saw a hint of racism. Call my white male privilege blindness. I don't know. I never saw it at all. 
As a matter of fact, uh, you know, the military has long been a place where racial barriers are broken down, where people from many different backgrounds come together. You'll never have a fucking some white fucking redneck kid from Arkansas be best friends with the uh, black guy from the Bronx. That rarely happens in the real world. It happens all the time in the military. And yes, oftentimes they do use crude racial humor to break down barriers with each other, but that, that just shows you how good friends they are. And on a personal level, especially in the special operations unit, we didn't, I didn't give a fuck what color you were, what ethnicity you were. I've been with many Latinos, few black, not too many black dudes, but there was a few of them running around. And, and it was none of the skin color ethnicity didn't matter. There was it was two things: can you fucking hack it, or can you not fucking hack it? And if you could hack it, you were a brother. You were somebody. You were brother in arms. You were somebody that we were going to fight beside. And if you couldn't hack it, hey, good luck to you in the future. Best of wishes, but you're gone. You're out. And that was it. That was the only criteria. I didn't give a fuck who, what color your skin was, what your background was. It didn't matter. You could be rich. You could be poor. You could be some fucking weirdo. And believe me, there are plenty of weirdos in the special operations community. I mean, fucking look at me. Exhibit A, right? But it doesn't matter. Either you could hack it or you can't hack it. And that was it. So to see this happening now and all the... This is exacerbating tension where there wasn't any before. Because now, with all this critical race theory crap, all these soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, guardians, whatever, of color, are now being carefully taught that, no, you're oppressed and you should be filled with resentment. And they're going, oh, shit, I didn't know that. Well, okay, I guess I'm filled with resentment now. (laughs) It's just fucking sad, man. Okay, let's do something a little bit more funny. And this was fucking, this story, wow. This is, of course, the Virginia Tech linebacker accused of beating a man to death over a Tinder catfishing incident. And I put this on my Instagram at BK Actual. This was a freshman Virginia Tech linebacker, and he is being tar- charged with murder. He broke every bone in a man's face for catfishing him on Tinder. This man's name was Ismamen, I-S-M-E-M-E-N. Ismamen, David Etute, 18 years old, told cops he went to the Blacksburg apartment of a 40-year-old Jerry Smith for oral sex. And this was in April. And this is the crazy thing. So this was after he matched up with somebody named Angie on Tinder. So he goes to the apartment on April. Apparently, fucking uh, has some oral. But then there's a crazy part. He then returned to the apartment on May 31st for another sesh. And that was the point when he discovered the person he had matched up with the time was a male. So I have a lot of questions here. Dude, I'm looking at the dudes, the, the, the guy who catfished him. I'm looking at his fucking picture right now. You don't know that this 40-year-old white male was a dude the first time? Isma men really? <laughs> this man in no way looks feminine at all. So I don't know. I think there's some more to this story than we know. Uh, but anyway, after the May 31st, the second meetup for Oral, that's when he discovered, big air quotes, that the guy was a dude. And he uh, punched him five times in the face and then stomped on his face. 
Cops found the badly beaten man's body one day later. He did die, did Smith, who is a restaurant worker, from blunt force trauma to the head. His teeth were also missing. And uh, he's being charged, is Atute, with second-degree murder. Okay. And by the way, shout out to my... uh, One of you guys messaged me saying that this dude who got beat to death is kind of well-known in the community and well-known for fucking doing this kind of shit. So, I don't know. You know, sometimes... This this is going to go bad for you. I would not recommend if you're transgender... Uh, you catfish people and imply that you're a female if they don't know. Probably be upfront with that shit. Uh, and as far as uh, Homeboy, the Virginia Tech guy, bro, you're at one of the fucking top 25 football programs in the country. I don't know what they're ranked, but I know Virginia Tech is con- a, a football powerhouse, a D1 football powerhouse. You're 18 fucking years old. You're at a college football powerhouse. And you're getting fucking blown by 40-year-old transgenders on Tinder. Like, you can't find a fucking co-ed or two, bro? I'm sure they'd fucking line up to at least give you the -the over-the-pants HJ. I mean, bro. Again, I'm looking at this picture. The, the, The Smith guy. In no way could you possibly mistake him. For a female, just there's just no way. I don't know what the hell's going on anymore. I just don't. Okay, let's. Uh, well, let's go to. Uh, uh, let's go to the border. I got a lot of good audio here, and I got a lot to get through. So I want to get to the border because, of course, our hapless fucking vice president. Kamala Harris went to the uh, 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 Guatemala and Mexico, where she promptly fucking shit all over herself. She is such a dope. I mean, she is a dud. Everybody who everybody wants desperately to prop her up because she's a female woman of color. But she is a fucking dud, and everybody knows it. But, okay, let me do the, let me do the immigration news first, and then I'll get to all these audio clips I have and Kamala Harris's trip. First of all, Supreme Court did rule against immigrants with temporary status. This was a unanimous 9 to nothing Supreme Court ruling. And what they said was that thousands of people living in the U.S. for humanitarian reasons are ineligible to apply to become permanent residents. And Justice Elena Kagan wrote for the court in this. She said that federal immigration law prohibits people who entered the country illegally and now have what they call temporary protected status, TPS, from seeking green cards to remain in the country permanently. That's part of the law. So the justices are like, well, this is the law. If you don't like the law, rewrite the law, and I'm sure they will. That TPS designation applies to people who come from countries ravaged by war disaster. It protects them from deportation and allows them to work legally. There are 400,000 people from 12 countries with TPS status. So this particular case involved a couple from El Salvador who have been in the U.S. since the 1990s. And it turned on whether people who entered the country illegally, which they did, and were given that TPS designation, could become citizens. And Kagan wrote that they were not able to do so. She wrote, quote, The TPS program gives foreign nationals non-immigrant status, but it does not admit them. So the conferral of TPS does not make an unlawful entrant eligible, 
quote, end quote. Now, the House of Representatives, oh, here we go. They have already passed legislation that would make it possible for TPS recipients to become permanent residents, but then it would have to go to the Senate where it faces uh, uncertain prospects. Sleepy Joe has said he supports the change in law, but his administration, much like the Trump administration, argued that current immigration law does not permit people who entered the country illegally to apply for permanent residency. Uh, meanwhile, the border crisis continues. Yeah, just, it's the media stopped covering it, so they think it's over. But the number of undocumented immigrants reaching the U.S.-Mexico border has hit the highest level in more than 20 years. U.S. Customs and Border Protection said it caught 180,034 migrants in May. That's up from 178,800 in April and 172,000 in March. That 180,000 is the biggest monthly total since April of 2000. Now, the number of unaccompanied children has dropped slightly, like by 20% in May compared to the previous month. Wow, that's insane, dude. Now, CBP did say that of the 180,034 people encountered in May, 112,300 of them were expelled under the Trump-era policy known as Title 42. We've talked about that before. That is the National Emergency Coronavirus Law, and that has been kept in place so far by U.S. President Joe Biden, and he is under pressure every fucking day from the activists to get rid of that because that's an easy way to just kick people out right away. But meanwhile, along with that, deportations of undocumented immigrants are a record low. In April, the U.S. Immigration's Customs and Enforcement Agency completed just 2,962 removals. That is the lowest number on record ever. So remember what I told you a couple weeks ago, you guys. Just because old bumbling, stumbling dementia Joe Biden doesn't say the phrase, yes, I love open borders, if you let shitloads of people in and never deport anyone, fucking guess what? Ipso facto, it's open border time. Now, back to Kamala Harris. This is her first foreign trip as vice president. And uh, she did say, controversially, do not come to the undocumented migrants hoping to reach the United States. Again, it doesn't matter what you say. It matters what you do. You could say anything, including her and Joe Biden often saying, hey, we'll give you free health care and we'll let you in and never deport anyone. So what the fuck do you think they're going to do? And now she's getting shit on from the big libs, the open borders libs, because she even said that. A lukewarm statement indeed. Uh, so, yes, she was discussing corruption with the Guatemalan president, Alejandro Giamete. And, uh, yeah. She was tapped by Biden to go down to Central America. And she, the, the, it's just so fucking dumb, dude. And I'm going to play a few clips in a moment. But she keeps fucking insisting on saying, like, well, I have to examine the root causes. We, we know the root causes. The root causes are... You've promised to give them free health care and jobs. And, and you said you're basically, you're, you're welcome to come. That's the root cause. But no, she wants to say it's like fucking climate change or something stupid. And uh, yeah, when she was talking to Giamete, Guatemalan president, 
he said, yeah, uh, this is uh, the change of administration in Washington was exploited by human tra traffickers. He wants American lawmakers to toughen federal laws against traffickers and extradite them to face charges. Um, in a, I don't think I have this quote, so let me put this here. Giametti said uh, about the uh, about the vice president, quote, we are not on the same side of the coin. It is obvious. We are in agreement on the what of the immigration crisis. We are not in agreement on the how, end quote. He went on to say that the change in the U.S. government led to a change in message. He said, quote, the message changed to, we are going to reunite families. We are going to reunite children, end quote. When that happened, he added, quote, the very next day the coyotes here were organizing groups of children to take them to the United States, end quote. There you go. It's not complicated. And by the way, you guys, the thing is, they want this to happen. These are all future Democratic voters. But they can't just come right out and say that. They kind of got to play this like, oh, yes, yes, we're... This is very con deeply concerning. They don't care, but they have to act like they're doing something to appease like maybe some moderates in their party who aren't fucking too crazy about, including, by the way, some of these border states. You guys probably saw McClellan, Texas. I think I have the story somewhere here. Oh, yeah, I'll get to it in a minute. But in McClellan, Texas, you know, in a wildly Hispanic neighborhood, first of all, in the 2020 elections, Trump did remarkably well in that whole Rio Grande Valley border area among Latino voters. It's all virtually all Latino. And a Republican just won the McClellan rate mayor's race for like the first time like fucking ever. So there's red flags going on here. And that's why they feel like they have to send dopey Kamala Harris to these regions. Okay, uh, let's uh, play a few clips. Here's Kamala Harris snapping at a reporter for asking when she will go to the border. ¿Cómo le responde usted a él? I said I'm going to go to the border. And I, when are you going to the border, the Vice President? The administration has asked. I'm not finished. <laughs> I've said I'm going to the border. <laughs> and also, if we are going to deal with the problems at the border, we have to deal with the problems that cause people to go to the border, we to know flee what to are. the border. What's that? What's and that, that is the root causes. What are the so root causes? So my first trip. What are the root causes? The president of the United States was to go in terms of a foreign trip to Guatemala, to be on the ground there, uh -huh. to address and to and to be informed of the root causes. Why are the people of Guatemala leaving? Why are they? I will keep you posted. I have to... <laughs> uh, I love that. The root causes. That's the new fallback for it. The root causes. Okay, what are the root... I'll bite. What are the root causes? Tell me what they are. How come that reporter can't ask that? Wasn't that your first fucking question when she says root causes 18 times? God, you guys, the media is just so bad. Uh, here we go. Here's her talking about the border crisis again. I think she's in Mexico right here. Let's listen to this part. Madam here. Vice President, yesterday you said you didn't want to focus on grand gestures as it related to potentially visiting the U.S.-Mexico border. And today, just now, you've stated more definitively that you will be going. So can you help us understand how this trip in particular to Guatemala and Mexico helped shift your thinking on that position in particular? And now that you've seen the root causes of migration and where that journey begins for Wait, many, what? what? How soon Will you go what are the root causes? Ends for many of them as well. The issue of root causes, root causes, is not going to be solved in one trip. Okay. What are the it root took causes? Two days. 
This is an issue that is long-standing, uh-uh. is in many cases generational. Okay. What, what is the generational? It is not a new issue for the United States hmm. to feel the effects of those root causes on our shores. What are the root causes? It is not new for us to experience that people will come to the United States if they are fleeing situations where they cannot feed their children. Okay. Why are they having children if they can't so, feed them? This work is the work that must be done with a commitment to going deep and making a commitment over a period of time, knowing that nothing that we can do will address it overnight. Okay. Well, you know, you could. You could start by deporting a shitload of people because that would be action speaking louder words. And I love that oh, they, they can't feed their children. I don't know. I've seen like a lot of fat people at the border. doesn't look like anybody's uh, under nourished to me what else here's a lester holt that dopey uh, nbc reporter he's talking to kamala harris about the uh, border arrests okay. do you have any plans to visit the border I, at some point you know I, <laughs> we are going to the border we've been to the border this whole thing about the border we've been to the border we've been to the border you haven't been to the border I, and i haven't been to europe and I mean, I don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. <laughs> Fake laugh. Dummy, do we have a huge fucking uh, illegal immigrant crisis from Europe? No, we fucking don't. Do we have 180,000 fucking Norwegians pouring into the country every fucking month? No, we don't. I haven't been to Europe. See how dopey she is? She probably thought that was like a sick zinger. I guarantee you that her and her staff prepped for that interview and they came up with that zinger if Lester Holt asked her about going to the border. I guarantee you that was pre-thought out and all the staff thought that was fucking just the best. (laughs) That's how stupid they are. Oh, God. I can't... I don't even know if I can take much more of this. Uh, Here is that Guatemalan uh, president. Here he is uh, uh, saying that phrase that I kind of just read. I'm not sure if this is in Spanish or English. Hay mensajes confundidas del Estados Unidos. El ley cambia mucho y cambió mucho adentro de una administración hasta el otro. Bueno, yo se lo hice ver que mensajes humanitarios fueron utilizados aquí por los coyotes, coyotes de una manera totalmente tergiversada, porque dijeron allá vamos a, a propiciar la reunificación familiar y pasaron los coyotes llevándose a los niños y adolescentes para los Estados Unidos y se llenaron las fronteras no solo con gente de Guatemala un montón por eso es que le hemos propuesto que los mensajes sean claros Okay, so basically you heard him say that the coyotes came, took all the fucking children, brought them to the border. Oh, man. What a fucking joke. It's all just a... It's all play acting. That's all. Do I have any other clips from her? Some of these are repeats, and I I have all these tabs open here. Oh, here we go. Here is the El Salvadoran president talking. And I think this is on... Is this on Tucker? Uh, I think this one's in English. The richest country in the world says, if you cross over the border, we will give you free health care, free education, all these benefits. I mean, that's a draw, isn't it? Of course, it's an incentive. I mean, everything in life is 
pros and cons, right? Yes. So you have for immigration, you have a con that probably you don't know the language or you have to, the, the journey is a difficult one. You may die in the journey. But if, if in the end, you will receive a lot of things, of course, it's a, it's a, the, the, the pros go up and the cons go down. So it depends. It's an incentive game here. And yeah, it's an incentive. Sure is. Not fucking rocket science, that's for sure. And then Geraldo Rivera got shit on, speaking of Kamala Harris, which is, this is funny, because he claimed that the only reason she was picked for vice president was based on her gender and skin color. And everybody fucking freaked out over this. And I'm like, but Joe Biden said he was picking his vice president. She had to be a black woman. He said that. That was it. He, before he even picked, you guys remember that? Is this, am I the only one who remembers anything? He came right out and said, I'm picking a black woman. So that was clearly his number one priority for his vice president. So is it not accurate to say that Joe Biden picked his vice president based on gender and skin color when fucking Biden said it numerous times? But let's listen to Geraldo here. And I think this trip is a disaster. It, it is because, you know, why go to Guatemala? You could pick up the phone to the Mexican president and you can say, you know, that trade deal that we have pending or you, you know, right. those factories on the border. Right. You want, uh, you know, want those trucks to come across as uh, as freely as they do the big semis. Then you have to do what you did with Donald Trump when there was the surge of of, uh, of immigrants in uh, 2019. You've got to play ball. You've got to use the forces at your uh, th uh, your command to mitigate this horrible flow that's coming. And the and and the, she really uh, has blown it. I I mm. I think she can recover. She'll she can mature in office, but th that's not a winning formula. I have well, to say that there's not many Democrats who are looking at this going. This is a great 2024 candidate. Well, th yeah. that's that. I was just going to say that because wasn't wasn't she she's supposed to be? Yeah, she's supposed to be groomed for Biden this. Biden was the placeholder. Yeah. Well, this is what happens when you choose your vice president based on gender and skin color rather than actual talent and expertise. Oh, I We're I seeing that disaster unfold that's way, right now. That's so mean. Oh, it's uh, she mean. Was attorney it's actually general true. It's true, though. Okay, so I, so I misspoke. It was one of the other Fox hosts, and Geraldo jumps in there and goes, that's so mean. The, the truth is not welcome anywhere in journalism. Again, this is not just him, her saying that in a vacuum. Joe Biden explicitly stated it was on many, many headlines in the New York Times. Race and gender for vice president. Race and gender for vice president. This is a fact. Uh, facts are most unwoke. Okay, guys, I do have more audio clips here. And uh, I mean, I might as well. Speaking of the media, this is funny. So the New York Times, this is a bit of a flap on social media, too. One of the New York Times dopey columnists, also a black female, named Mara Gay. She was on MSNBC, and she said that uh, she saw dozens of American flags on Long Island, which is incredibly disturbing to her. I think this her. is another this is area where Democrats really need to get serious about talking about what this threat is. Uh, I think you said it really well, Joe, a minute ago, where you talked about uh, the need to stop being surprised by all of this. Uh, and start taking it seriously. You know, it, it's really concerning to me that the Democrats haven't just gone ahead at this point and said we're doing this on our own in terms of uh, getting a commission together uh, to explain to the American people how we allow the insurrection to take place in the Capitol. I think that really needs to move forward swiftly. Um, you know, the reality is here that uh, we have a large percentage of the American population. I don't know how big it is, but we have tens of millions of Trump voters 
who uh, continue to believe that their rights as citizens are under threat by simple virtue of having to share the democracy with others. Um, I think uh, as long as they see Americanness as the same as one with whiteness, this is going to continue. We have to figure out Nobody does that. how to get every American a place at the table in this democracy, but how to separate Americanness, America, from whiteness. Until we can confront that and talk about that, this is really going to continue. I was on Long Island this weekend uh, visiting a really dear friend, and I was really disturbed. I saw you know, dozens and dozens of pickup trucks with uh, you know, uh, explicatives against Joe Biden uh, on the back of them, yep. uh, Trump yep. flags, and some cases just dozens of American flags, which, you know, uh, is also just disturbing because essentially the message was clear. It was, this is my country. This is not your yep. country. Ah, you poor thing. Explicatives. Boy, she sounds really fucking educated and smart, doesn't she? <laughs> oh, man. It's fucking funny. Okay, uh, then finally, um, I mentioned Wuhan earlier, and they're still undergoing this lab. I wanted to play a supercut for you guys. You guys know I love the supercuts. And here is the, this is a supercut of the media basically blaming Trump for their failure to investigate the China Wuhan lab leak theory. This should be a hoot. Remember that part of the issue when this was first being reported on and discussed back a few months after the pandemic had begun was that then President Trump and Mike Pompeo, uh, the uh, Secretary of State, both suggested they had seen evidence that this was formed in a lab and they also suggested it was not released on purpose, but they refused to release the evidence showing what it was. And so because of that, that made this instantly political the problem of the of the trump of, of president trump uh throughout the pandemic was because everything was so politicized you couldn't possibly even raise this, politicized by this you. idea without becoming some kind of a crazy wacky trumper who has you know spreading fake news only when trump's pandemic hoax just a bad flu too much testing is the problem bs failed and we were way behind on the fight against a deadly pandemic they needed to distract china a convenient target donald trump had people talking about donald trump including us 24 hours a day under the trump administration every single day as you rightly describe uh, we were dealing with the circus and P.T. Barnum. In the scientific community, there was almost a kind of allergic reaction to the suggestion of a lab leak because it sounded more like something that Donald Trump was trying to deploy as a political deflection to take attention off his own administration. And the problem for President Trump is that he's running for re-election, is looking for ways to deflect blame for uh, the performance of the administration. If the chief and loudest advocate for something is a race-baiting liar, who lies all the time and has done things to contribute to, for example, the rise in hate crimes, you can understand why people don't want to get near that. Trumpers who were complicit in playing down the pandemic reality in America are now seeing more interest in the China lab theory as some kind of vindication. Yeah, it was, because none of you did anything about it. Oh, man. Trump actually did bring up uh, the lab leak also. In that same news conference, I have it here. Let me go ahead and play this one, too. And then we had this horrible thing come in from China. And uh, we got that one right, too, by the way. Do you notice? You see what's going on over the last. It's called the lab. 
That was an easy one. Wuhan. But uh, you had this horrible problem come in, and uh, like every other country, we went down, and they were saying how well India was. Look how well India is doing. Well, India is not doing too well now, and we've done an incredible job. And <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Shut up, Trump. Shut up. I, 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 I couldn't uh, close the window fast enough. Here we go. Oh, God. What else? How much time do I have? Because I'm going to cut it a little short here. Uh, let's keep going, though. And do a few more quick headlines. First of all, the Keystone X pipeline has been officially canceled. The, the sponsor of the Keystone crude oil pipeline pulled the plug on the project after Canadian officials failed to persuade President Joe Biden to reverse his cancellation of their permit on the day he took office. On the fucking day he took office. He didn't even know his fucking pants are down around his ankles and his staff shoves a piece of paper in front of him, his radical far-left staff. And this is why, this is part of the reason, you guys, that gas is fucking four thirty a gallon in fucking California. And everybody bitches about it, but nobody blames him, right? Oh, God. Uh, this is one of the few names that every time I see his name in the news, I'm going to bring it up on the podcast. Probably the only name. Who am I talking about? Of course, it is Carlos Danger, a.k.a. disgraced former Congressman Anthony Weiner. He is considering selling the infamous photo of him and his boxers and his bulge as a non-fungible token or an NFT. This is the dumbest thing ever. This picture was posted to his Twitter account in 2011, marked the beginning of his downfall. He thinks he could make some money on this. Remember, Wiener resigned from Congress in 2011 following the illicit tweet. Then he tried to run for New York City mayor in 2013, but then it was revealed that he was sexting another chick. And then in 2016, the Daily Mail revealed that he had been sexting a 15-year-old girl, and then one year after that, he was sentenced to prison. So fucking Anthony Wiener, man. And the NFT thing is fucking stupid, by the way. How is a picture that you can just Google worth millions of dollars? How is that possible? I can. That's what I don't get. Maybe we should tax the rich. Let's talk about this. This is like Sandusky-esque. Let's go to Michigan football and former Michigan coach, the legendary Bo Schembechler. Schembechler. Well... This has caused a huge shitstorm here because um, now the son of former Michigan coach Bo Schembechler, named Matt Schembechler, and former Wolverines football players Daniel Kwiatkowski and Giovanni Johnson, decided to hold a press conference where they shared graphic details of then-team doctor Robert Anderson's sexual abuse of them. They said that Bo Schembechler, Bo Schembechler knew about the abuse but failed to act. And the younger Schembechler said that Anderson sexually molested him when he was 10 years old, but that when he told his father, Bo, Bo became physical with him. He was protected by this shit. Um, Anderson allegedly caressed the player's testicles. And Kwiatkowski 
said he was attending a mandatory physical with Anderson, and during the visit, he was trying to ask questions, but then the doctor bent over, put his head near my penis, and began blowing on it, telling me, quote, it's okay to get an erection, end quote. And then apparently the doctor then digitally penetrated his rectum multiple times. Well, Kwiatkowski told his coach what happened, Bo Schembechler, and Schembechler said, quote, toughen up, end quote. You believe this fuck? And this was widely known. This was widely known. They began to, <clears throat> apparently they used to joke about having to see, quote, Dr. Anus, end quote. Like this was a thing. Uh, Johnson went in there and said that Anderson, quote, commented on my genitals and played with my genitals, end quote. He had to see Anderson again, and he said the same thing happened. <clears throat> and then again, yes, Anderson did also put his finger in his anus. What the fuck was going on with this generation? This is fucking unbelievable. What is it with this generation that ignored sexual assault by these fucking predator, creepy older men like this Anderson, the Sanduskies? It was like really no big deal in the 80s to fucking jam your finger up fucking some young kid's asshole. God, I'm not trying to be graphic for gratuity. I, I want to paint a picture because I don't like when the media soft pedal stuff when they're just like, uh, yes, he then committed a sexual act. No, say say he fucking took his finger and jammed it up his asshole and he raped him. You have to use graphic terms to cut through to say how fucking gross and disgusting this stuff is. I'm tired of the media soft-pedaling stuff because they're afraid of graphic language. You should use graphic language. You have to convey how horrible this shit is. And the fact that all this shit was like, I don't know, just I guess it was just cool in the 80s to do any of this. Oh, there's that wacky Coach Sandusky fucking butt-slamming an underage kid in the showers again. Ha, 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 ha. He's so wacky. Unbelievable. And actually, this press conference was prompted by former Wolverines coach Jim Harbaugh defending Bo Schembechler. Um, I don't know exactly how this came about. But during a football camp, Harbaugh said of Schembechler, nothing was ever swept under the rug or ignored. He addressed everything in a timely fashion. That's the Bo Schembechler that I know. Well, that prompted Johnson, Kwiatkowski, and then Schembechler Jr. to come forward. And they were apparently the anonymous sources in the 240-page report released in May by Washington, D.C.-based law firm Wilmer Hale, that found several high-profile University of Michigan administrators, including Schembechler, who, by the way, died in 2006, were aware of the rampant sexual abuse. Yeah, they were aware. They all knew it. Fuck, man. It's fucking horrific. Um, okay, quickly. Hunter Biden used the N-word multiple times <laughs> with his white lawyer. <laughs> Imagine if Trump Jr. had emails where he was using the N-word multiple times. Can you imagine? This was barely talked about in the media. It's too funny. Oh, Hunter Biden, he, boy, he's so classy. Man. And don't forget, he was able to pay twenty-five grand a month to live in the fucking Venice apartment in California. Where do you get that money? 
That's great. So apparently his, de- his texts came out. Uh, the president's son joked in a January 2019 text to corporate attorney George, George Masiris about, quote, a big penis, end quote, and said to the lawyer, quote, I only love you because you're black and true dat, nigga, end quote. Again, you guys, I know sometimes we, I only quote uh, slurs when they're relevant, but, uh, you know, I don't like you saying it's stupid. This is an adult show. Get over it. And then in another text, this one actually made me laugh. He said, quote, how much money do I owe you? Because, nigga, you better not be charging me Hennessy rates, end quote. (laughs) Actually, this kind of makes me like Hunter a little bit, even though he does like getting pegged by strippers wearing strap-ons. But, uh, yeah, Hunter's fucking seems like he's pretty cool to hang out with. Okay, uh, quickly, more news. Uh, let's see. South Korea, nine die as a building collapsed on a bus. Jesus, that happened in the southern city of Guangzhou. Uh, a man has blown off his jaw and nose with a shotgun, but survived after trying to kill himself. This was Mikhail Vladimirov, 45 years old. He's basically, his face is gone. This took place near Moscow. Yep. Tried to blow his head off. Unfortunately, it just destroyed his face, but somehow missed his whole fucking brain. So he's still alive, and now you got no face. And speaking of dumb shootings, a former NYPD cop, 57 years old, was shot to death by his friend on accident while trying to stop a violent criminal from harassing an old man. 57-year-old Thomas Marinin was killed in a fight near a Kensington pizzeria. A brawl broke out when Marinin and his friend Robert Velasquez, 53, confronted Michael Soto about harassing an elderly man. Well, Velasquez threw out a gun, fired a single shot that hit Marinin in the chest. Mm. Soto has six prior arrests, including one for domestic violence. Wow, that's shocking, isn't it? All right, and let's see, you guys. I got a few uh, good, uh, more audio clips I wanted to get to. Let's get to this guy. Uh, The description is a cowboy in Canada loses his shit over a pride crosswalk. Let's uh, hear this one. Good. I'm glad you hear that. You know what? You guys are getting absolutely stupid. He's trying to like throw barriers around. Get the fuck away! Sir, I you know, suggest you, guys, you leave. You know I suggest you leave, you sir. You guys are getting absolutely stupid. Hey, this is this is not your place. That's <laughs> not my place. No. You know not. what? Give me a shot. No, I'm just saying you should really leave, sir. You know what? I will leave because you guys are a bunch of assholes. Okay, that was it. It wasn't as great as I thought. Most of it's, uh, this is an audio-only podcast. Sometimes it's limited. Uh, Here is a guy in Alabama who flips out at a rescue shelter for having a drag queen on staff? Hmm, sing this one. You're a child abuser, and God called you guilty. You're going to burn in hell. Hell fire for you. 
and I hope that somebody comes and takes these dogs from you. You're not fit to serve a dog. You're a filthy, vile, disgusting human being that would pedophile a chick. You're a chicken hawk enabler, and you're going to burn in everlasting fire because Jesus Christ is just and righteous, and you are sexualizing little children with your place. You are vile. You're the reason why there's school shooters in our nation. You're the reason why our nation is under judgment right now because you're just a filthy faggot lover and God hates you. Repent. This God, the God of the Bible, is the one that's going to destroy you unless you repent, you sick freak. Is that your business? Is this your business? Disgusting. All right. All right. The funny thing is he actually had a Bible and he holds up his Bible. I yelled about Caitlyn Jenner not saying anything the other day. Well, she went on The View for some fucking reason. Here's a quick clip of Caitlyn Jenner. Because a lot of Republicans in this country believe that Donald Trump won the election and not Joe Biden. Are you one of those people, one of those Republicans? Uh, I'm not going to get into that. That election is over with. I think Donald Trump did do some good things. And what I liked about Donald Trump is he but was did a he disruptor. Win? But did he win but the he election? Was, but he was, he was a disruptor when he was president. I want to do the same thing. I want to go in and be a thoughtful disruptor in Sacramento. We need to change the oh. system. And I want to change that Just system. Just say he lost, the, dude. I'm in it I for the people. I'm in it for the people. Not for the special. I have to cut you off. I have to cut you off because we're getting ready to go. Thanks to Caitlin. Always. I want to come back and spend more time with you. Well, we're here. You know, we're here. We'll be. Okay. Yeah. Whoopi says, we don't want you back here, basically. Any other clips I got to get to here? Here's an answer. I told you guys the anti mask videos are dwindling rapidly as everything kind of opens back up, but there are still a few. Here's one from Arizona in a wig store. Here, this one goes here. Okay, well that's called uh, that's called discrimination. So, do you, you guys really want to be blasted on the internet? Because I'm gonna get, I'll put your phone number and everything, and you'll be blasted. Otherwise, you can do the right thing and let me walk around right now. So, do you guys want to get blasted all over the internet? Can you stay back there if you're not gonna wear a mask? You want to get blessed all the internet, or or do you want to respect my human rights? You're really not care about <laughs> human rights. I care about health so much that I go around and tell people that masks don't work. Well, then you need to leave. <laughs> all right, that was it. And what what is he doing in a wig store? This is like a young dude. Huh, very strange. Oh, that reminds me. I actually had another one. Uh, this one. Was I gotta pull? Sorry, guys. This is I could only get this on my phone for some reason, um, so I have to pull it up from there. And this was a person yelling. It was the opposite. It was a person yelling at a clerk for not making people wear masks. Let's kind of hear this one goes. Just gonna put it aside. I mean, um, it's federal regulation that you know all employees and customers wear a mask. And you are not wearing a mask, sir. Um, that could result in a thousand dollar fine in this area. I mean, she's not wearing a mask either, and you're about to serve her. Um, sorry, can't do that, sir. <laughs> I guess that was it. Okay, I was shorter than I thought. 
Again, guys, I'm fucking running out of material here. This is the worst part about the pandemic ending. Horrible. Uh, quickly, woman cuts off her husband's penis and cooks it after killing him. Yeah, this was in uh, Brazil. Dayan Cristina Rodriguez Machado, 33 years old. She was arrested. Police were called and found the body of her husband nude and mutilated and dead. His wife was accused of cutting off his penis and cooking it in soybean oil in a frying pan around 4 a.m. She has been charged with murder and corpse desecration. They do have two kids together. Wow, dude, they have a blurred photo of the body, too. Oh, shit. Yeah, completely nude. Yep. Cut the dick right off. Uh, let's see, whatever. Oh, they found um, they found that guy who shot that little kid on the California freeway. Yeah, this was six-year-old Aiden Leos, who was killed over a road raid in incident, and they, they couldn't find the person who did it for like a month. But they have arrested 24-year-old Marcus Ariz and 23-year-old Win Lee. And they were arrested at their home in Costa Mesa. They are expected to be charged in Aiden's May 21st murder. They think Lee was the driver and Ariz is the gunman. And, uh, yeah, they're being held on $1 million bail. They won't ever get out. What else? Um... Here was a clip from a school. This was a sixth grade teacher in Springfield, Missouri. And a boy asked why straight kids are not allowed to have her unicorn cupcakes. Apparently she was just handing them out to gay kids or something. Well, the straight kid's like, hey, I want a fucking cupcake. So the teacher starts yelling at him. Let's see how this one goes. But just because I support another thing doesn't mean I don't support straight people too. Just because I'm Mexican doesn't mean I don't also support black people. Or Irish people. Or ignorant people. Never said it was like that. Okay. Just said Would you like a special unicorn cupcake for being straight jerk? Yes. All right, come here. Get a straight jerk cupcake. For being a pill. I'm just trying to be annoying. You are annoying. You were very successful. Congratulations. Thanks. What a dip. All right. What? A dip. Oh. Like a dipstick? A butthead? A weasel? Why is every teacher such a fucking nut? Uh, oh, and finally, for our audio, here's a, a black man repeatedly calling an Asian American police officer a chink at the Washington Square protest in, 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 protest in New York City. By the way, so this park in Washington Square Park, it's been becoming basically an open-air shooting gallery where all the junkies go to do fucking uh, heroin and smoke crack all day, and obviously the people who live there aren't too happy about it, so the police have been installing curfews. And then, of course, all the activists show up because they don't like not being able to do their drugs and meth and crack in a public place because that's what the lifestyle they prefer. And so this black guy starts uh, screaming at this uh, cop. Chink? You fucking chink? You fucking chink? You a chink? Get the fuck out of here, you chink. Get the fuck out of here. Fuck out of here. I'm on the sidewalk. I'm on the sidewalk. You chink? You a fucking chink. 
Fuck out of here, you chink. Yo, man, fuck out of here, you fucking chink. Stay away from the phone. No, no, I know. I, I, listen, once I'm on the sidewalk, I'm good. All right, all right, all right. Where's that fucking chink right here? <laughs> Black people can't be racist, you know? Fucking chink, I said it. You chink, I said it. Well, what would you want to do? What you want to do? I'm on the side I'm on the side Oh, what you want to do? Oh, what you want to do? I respect you. Yo, listen. Oh, what you want to do? Oh, what you want to Watch my mouth or what? Watch my mouth or what? You chink. Chink, watch my mouth or what? You chink. You the fucking cop. Fucking pig. Fuck out here. Go look me up. Go look me up, you fucking chink. The fuck out of here. Back up. Back up, you chain. It's a fucking chain. Jesus. Alright, well, he sounds really fucking smart and educated, doesn't he? I bet I bet that guy has such a great job, and I bet he's such a awesome member of society and a very contributing to society. Yeah, doesn't he sound like it? Alright, quickly. A few more headlines. Uh, the colonial pipeline hack, you guys. The U.S. did recover millions in that cryptocurrency that was paid to the hackers uh, because apparently they, like, left it on the Internet or something. Yeah. They uh, basically told the FBI when they paid the ransom about this, and so the FBI went and uh, kind of started looking into it, and uh, they were able to somehow get the money because these hacking group had kind of uh, left it on the internet somehow. I'm just scrolling through here to say specifically what they did. They're, they weren't really talking about it. But apparently they did not secure their Bitcoin ransom is the bottom line. Uh, let's see, what else? Scientists say new dinosaur species is the largest ever found in, uh, in Australia. They're calling this the Australotitan cooperensis, or the Southern Titan. It is among the 15 largest dinosaurs found worldwide. They said it would, uh, was up to 21 feet tall and 30 meters long. Its skeleton was first discovered on a farm in southwest Queensland. They have been working over the past decade to identify the dinosaur, and they finally figured out that it was a uh, fucking uh, new kind of dinosaur. That's very cool. A Pakistan train accident has killed dozens. Yeah, at least 62 people have been confirmed dead so far when a train called the Milat Express derailed near the town of Ghatki. And then the Sir Syed Express, traveling in the opposite direction, then crashed into it. God. I gotta fix these fucking trains, man. It feels like I've been doing a story on those like every week. Uh, it, it, I don't know who they're trying to market this to, but Sports Illustrated. You guys know they have the swimsuit issue, kind of dead technology in this day and age, right? But it was a big deal like 30 years ago. I guess they're trying to just desperately lose money, but in a woke way, because now they are adding to the famed. Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. The first transgender woman of color named Lena Bloom. What, what, 
Who are you? Who are you appealing to here? Are you just trying to get good publicity? That's really the literally the only reason to do this because dudes aren't gonna want to buy this. I'm just telling you. There's no hate here against the transgender community. I'm just telling you, straight men who for many years were the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issues target audience are have no interest in seeing this. Uh, so I, I don't know what they're thinking, but I can't imagine how many people are actually like you know landing, like actually buying a magazine. So it says first transgender woman of color. Has there been a transgender woman of like a white woman in Sports Illustrated before? Uh, a lot of you guys sent me this one, and this is unsurprising. Remember how I told you in the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, man, when the when the final tally is totaled up, the amount of fraud is going to be fucking staggering. Well, some experts are now saying criminals may have stolen as much as half the unemployment benefits the U.S. has been pumping out over the past year. Isn't that insane? That is just fucking nuts. They have told Axios, this is coming from ID.me. You know, that guys know that service that tries to, it tries to uh, establish your, your identification on the internet? It's called ID.me. The CEO, Blake Hall, told Axios.com that America has lost more than $400 billion to fraudulent claims. <laughs> and... Of that $400 billion in, they estimate that at least 70% of the money stole by imposters ultimately left the country, much of it ending up in the hands of criminal syndicates in China, Nigeria, Russia, and elsewhere, and that those syndicates are also backed by the state. Much of the rest of the money was stolen by domestic street gangs. <laughs> I fucking knew it was bad. I knew it would be bad. I never thought it would be that bad. Uh, Biden is going to restore a billion dollars for California high-speed rail withheld by Trump. Yeah, this has been going on now, you guys, the high-speed rail disaster for like over a decade, and all they've done is dig a few holes in the desert the middle, miles and miles from anywhere. They have no hope of completing this thing. Even if they did, nobody is ever going to ride it because it's going from Bakersfield to Merced, which if you don't know California, go look at it on a map. It's the middle of the fucking desert. Nobody goes from Bakersfield to Merced. Nobody's ever going to take this. It's absurd. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. And it was sold to the voters. It was going to be a high-speed rail going from L.A. to San Francisco. That was the fucking selling point. Even though you can fly from L.A. to San Francisco for like 50 bucks, and it's like an hour flight. It's It was always ridiculous. It remains ridiculous. And now stupid Joe Biden, because he liked to ride trains, is restoring a billion dollars to be flushed down the black hole here. Uh, Jeff Bezos, CEO of Amazon, he will fly aboard his Blue Origins spacecraft on their first human trip to space. This is exactly what I would do if I was a billionaire. So he did say he would take a take trip to space next month when Blue Origin, the rocket company he founded more than two decades ago, conducts its first human space flight. Oh, that, hell yeah. I mean, good on him. I hate him for other reasons, but yeah, if I was a billionaire and I started a rocket company, you bet your sweet ass that I'm going to be the first guy up in that. And guys, let us go to the big 
finish here because I'm running out of time. And let us go to Michigan, where a Michigan vision specialist who worked at a school is accused of placing his genitals in the hands of two legally blind students. <laughs> this, this was in a lawsuit filed this week. Um, what's the guy? Again, guys, I have to scroll through to even find the fucking name of this dude. Uh, where is the name? Still scrolling down past one paragraph, past two paragraphs, past three paragraphs. I guess they're not naming him. They just say that this was in Garden City and Livonia schools. And uh, this is in Garden City, Michigan. These incidents allegedly happened in 2018 and 2019. Both girls were students at Garden City's Douglas Elementary when the incidents occurred. The district contracted with um, Livonia schools for this specialist to work on them on mobility and orientation. They were both visually impaired and considered legally blind. Well, three separate molestations occurred when the specialist was alone with each girl in a windowless room with the doors closed, allegedly. During 2018, he allegedly fondled the chest of one of the girls. In a second incident with that same girl, he allegedly blocked her already impaired vision with those, those weird glasses they put on you, and then he placed his penis in her hand. And then in 2019, he was allegedly with the other girl in the same room, Again, used the glasses and placed his penis in her hand and no, around her mouth. Oh, God. Uh, both girls did say, uh, yeah, I'm uncomfortable with your fucking dick by my face. And they took the glasses off as he zipped up his pants. That's what's fucking going on in schools. Okay, you guys, I promised on Instagram earlier this morning I'd address this and I, I debated long and hard whether to do it or not. I really did because I don't really like talking about my personal life or putting myself out there. But if you go on my Instagram at BK, actually you probably saw I am getting a kidney transplant next week and it's um, scary as fuck, obviously. And I told you I'd talk a little bit about how it came about and what happened, but uh, I was still in the military. Long story short, <clears throat> I'd done my first deployment to Afghanistan and I started getting all these wacky health problems. And at the same time, I was trying to go to the JSOC team, Joint Special Operations Command. So I was putting in a package to both the 24th Special Tactics Squadron. It's now a wing. That's the Air Force JSOC component. But I also happened to know a guy who was personal friends with a recruiter from uh, CAG, the Delta Force. And I got on the phone with him, and he's like, hey, fucking put in. We'd love to have you. You know, so-and-so says good things about you. We'd love to have you come out and try out. So I was like, okay, I'm going to put in a package for that too, right? Might as well. So part of putting in a package is that kind of thing is you got to go to get a new flight physical. So I went to the doc. They were like, hey, your blood pressure is a little high. So we'll, we'll get you a blood pressure pill. No big deal. You can still be on flying status, still be a PJ. No worries. Well, every time in the military they give you a medication, they always check your blood and urine. So they took my urine, took my blood, and they did the lab tests, and it came back a little weird. And they're like, yeah, something's, something's not right here. You have lab levels that are uh, incongruous with a healthy patient. And I was like, okay, well, fuck, just give me a waiver, dude. 
And um, they were like, well, we, we got to investigate this. So they started looking. I had like all these tests, like ultrasounds, fucking all kinds of shit. Anyway, it culminated with a biopsy. They actually cut me open and took a chunk of my kidney. And they examined it and they said, you have a rare form of kidney disease. And it's called a FSGS or focal segmental glomular sclerosis. And basically what happens is your kidneys, which are the filter of your body, much like an air filter for your car, that prevents all the dirt from going in your engine. Well, the kidneys filter out all the bad crap in your body and they, you then urinate it out. Well, my kidneys were scarring over in random patches. And as they scar, they cannot filter anymore. So I was like, okay, well, who cares? And again, they were like, well, it's not that easy because having kidney disease is a disqualifying uh, condition for U.S. military service. And I was like, well, that's fucking ridiculous, especially now it's ridiculous, right? We have like <clears throat> transgenders, guys with one leg <laughs> in the military. And I was like, I'm good. I was, and I was at top of my game. Again, I had one deployment down. I was fucking jacked, strong, fast. I had some six years in plus a little bit and kind of, you know, that's when you start figuring everything out and I was ready. And at the end of the day, they ended up saying, we're medically retiring you. And it was uh, devastating. Obviously, you know, you work that hard to do something and you put in all that work. And I thought that was going to be my life for the next 30 years. I was like, this is it. You know, I'm going to go on. I had, I hold, I had a whole career path laid out. I was like, this is going to be it. Do the rescue thing for a while. Go to the special tactics thing for a while. Maybe get on CAG, maybe go to 24th. And uh, then they're like, not only can you not be in the military, not, not only can you not be a PJ anymore, you can't even be in the military anymore. And I was out. So I had already started looking at contracting jobs just in case. And that's when I fell into uh, the contracting thing and I ended up doing that. I was medically retired. Now, while they were trying to figure out what was wrong with me, there was another PJ team down at my unit and they were training to do, go off to Afghanistan pre-deployment training. So they were down there for a few weeks. And one of the, so they would always hang out at our team room after work because we'd all have beers and stuff. And so one of the guys, uh, one of my very good friends, former podcast guest, Aaron Finley, former Ranger, you know, he was on this team. This was the Portland team. And his, um, his team leader was a guy named Scott. Uh, Scott was a former combat controller and a former PJ. Uh, he was a JSOC PJ, Joint Special Operator Command. He's a veteran of the 24th. Very distinguished, long career. A very fucking smart guy. Anyway, he's also a civilian physician's assistant. So when those dudes were down, while I was going through my rigmarole, they, he, he took an interest in it. He was like, oh, what do your labs say? And all this other stuff. So I told him, and he, he kind of seemed to take an interest in it. Anyway, then I ended up getting medically retired. And then, like, years later, Scott hits me up. I, I didn't know him, barely, other than that interaction we had at the unit. So years later, Scott hits me up and he's like, "Hey, how are your kidneys doing?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, I've been contracting, and uh, you know, they're 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 hanging in there, but you know, the inevitable conclusion of kidney disease is that eventually they'll kid the the kidneys will fail. There's no cure for it, and the only treatment is either dialysis. Once you go into end stage renal disease, you either have to go on dialysis or you have to get a transplant. So mine were still holding up, but I was it was getting tough to pass a physical." because the threat was winding down in the contracting world and the, 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 the screening process started getting tougher and tougher. And it, I had to turn in an annual physical and every fucking time the doctor would be like freaked out by the labs. And I'd have to say like, yo, I'm under the care of kidney doc. I'm not in end stage renal failure. Just fucking sign the paper, yo, which they would, but it was getting harder and harder. So finally I decided to just quit. And 
And then starting uh, last summer, I was just, the fatigue was just getting out of hand. The labs were getting shittier and shittier. And I told the doctors, and they're like, you, you have to start dialysis. So starting last September, I started dialysis. And Scott, again, reached out, and he was like, hey, how would I go about seeing if I was a match? And I was like, well, if you're serious, because a couple of people said something about that, and I didn't take it seriously. I was like, if you're serious, you can contact so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. Well, he contacted them. Long story short, he was a match. And so he's fucking giving me a kidney. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Uh, you know, at the time, like last year was was, was tough. Um, at the time, you know, I was going through dialysis. I was going through a, a tough personal time, you know, with, with, a, with a, a, you know, relationship. And it was just an overall shitty time. And dialysis was tough. And the only slot they could give me because of the pandemic was 4 a.m. So I had to, like, wake up at 3.30 in the morning, three days a week, go get two giant fucking needles jabbed in me. And uh, sit there hooked up to this machine for almost four hours. And that was three days a week. And then I'd get home and I'd be fucking exhausted. I was exhausted before. And I thought like, well, I'll feel better when I'm done. But I was ex it takes it out of you. So I'd be exhausted when I came home. And I'd have to go to sleep when I came home. Working out was just brutal. It was so hard to work out. Like even just to get up the energy to go work out was tough. You know, but again, I'm always talking all this shit about being <laughs> Jack, Dan, etc. I was like, well, I got it. I, that was actually good for my motivation, honestly, you guys, to just try to keep up, you know, with because I always tell you guys, hey, fucking maintain that jacked and tan lifestyle, work through adversity. You guys have heard me say it a hundred times. You're gonna have adversity in life, and you got to push through it. And it was fucking adversity. I'm not gonna lie. And I had some moments where I was like in a bad place, and I was like super down and I'm like, you know, how, how am I going to live? How am I going to, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? I can't do anything I want to do. I'm an active person. I want to go fucking be in the fight. I want to go contract again. I want to go do this. I want to go that. I want to go work for the military. I want to go work for the CIA, whoever. I can't fucking do any of that. And it was just hard because I'm wondering at the same time, like I should be focused on my health, but instead I'm wondering like, what the fuck am I going to do with the rest of my life? Again, I thought my whole path was laid out. So that was the hardest part, and that's still a hard part because you know I'm already looking ahead. What my my dad told me, he's like he's like dummy, just fucking focus on this, getting through this surgery and get past that, then worry about that. But you know it's always in my nature to worry about like the next thing. So uh, Scott came down this week. We had multiple, many, many meetings with the surgical team and all that, and so far it is a fucking go, you guys. And it's going to happen this Wednesday. And um, I don't know. And I've already seen on Instagram all of your uh, comments. And uh, it, me it means a lot. I apologize if I can't get back to each and every one of you. But just trust me, it means a lot. I've told a few of you offhand, uh, off offline about this. But I really haven't talked about this before. And I never really, I really debated hard whether I was going to today. I composed that post on Instagram and I really, I've waited probably two hours before I hit send on that going, dude, you really want to fucking do this? But I really want to do it because I think you should be an organ donor. And I want you guys to know that, you know, people are going through stuff and that you can save somebody's life by doing this. And mostly I wanted to promote my friend, Scott, who words obviously will never be sufficient to express how I feel about him. I mean, he didn't have to do this. We didn't really know each other. 
He's got a wife and kid. He did not have to do this at all. And he fucking guy rogered up. He went through with it. He went through the whole testing thing. Huge fucking pain in the ass. He's got a whole other career. He's retired military, but he's got a whole other career as a PA. Didn't have to do any of this. And he did it anyway. And um, yeah, so that is why there will be no podcast next week because I'll, I'll, I'll probably still be in the hospital. And I just, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. I just hope it goes well. Again, it's hard for me to like kind of put this out there and be this personal because as you guys know, I rarely talk about my personal life, but it's such a big thing about what I've been going through and the fact that I'm going to be out of pocket for a little while. But it's fucking scary. You know, of course I'm scared. It's major surgery. Uh, I hope it turns out good. I hope it works. You know, there's no guarantee with the transplant. They might put it in. It might not fucking work. But I hope it works. I'm staying optimistic. And um, if it doesn't work, you know, then we fucking drive on and go to the next option. And we'll see what happens. So I guess I'm just going to leave it there, you guys. I can't really think of what else to say other than it's a, it's a, obviously been, this has been such a huge part of my life. The worst thing was actually how I was diagnosed over a decade ago. And I knew this day was going to come. That's the shit. Cause so that I've had this thing hanging over my head, my whole fuck for a huge majority of my life, knowing that it was going to come to this. That's the worst thing. It's not like I got sick and then it was like, boom, done. It was, I knew it was coming. I knew one day I would be on dialysis. I knew one day that I would have to have major surgery. And I knew that for over a decade. And that was the hard part, knowing all this in the back of my mind. In some ways, that motivated me, you know, like, hey, I got to figure out what the fuck I'm going to do. I got to stick with this podcast. I got to, as a contractor, I was like, dude, you got to save some fucking money. You can't be out spending your money on hot cars and all this shit. You got to fucking stack some cash while you can. And so that's what I tried to do. And I'm, and I'm lucky. I'm fortunate. I have a kidney donor. I have disability from the VA. I managed to do well with investing and save some money and all that. And so I'm not like hurting for cash. Um, so I, I'm lucky. I don't want you to feel sorry for me. I'm lucky. And hey, at the end of the day, you guys, this is something they can fix. You know, I remember when I did that Black Panther story about Chadwick Boseman, the Black Panther actor who died at 43 of fucking you know colon cancer, and he was still working the whole time and nobody knew. And I, I, I don't know if you heard it on the podcast, but I was getting a little emotional talking about the story because I felt so bad and I could relate to that so much about how he didn't tell anybody about it. Nobody knew what he was going through, but he kept working, and that's what you do. You know, it was so dignified, and I, I really respected him for that. And I didn't want anybody to I didn't want anybody to treat me different, which is why I never talked about it. I didn't want to be treated or pitied or anything like that. And again, I'm lucky because I have all the support and all your kind comments and it, it means quite a bit. So guys, I'm gonna leave it there. I will keep you posted on social media about the surgery. I promise. You can follow me on Instagram at BKActual, check out my Twitter at Bravo Kilo Actual. That's gonna do it for me. And I'll fucking see you on the other side of this shit.